The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here and I am with the owner and creator of FSW, the Future Stars Wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. Joe, how you doing today? Uh, thankfully, uh, the guest that we have on might be able to help because I really hurt my back and I need that Thomas Day yoga to get back in action this week. <laughs> That's right. We have on the DeFalco Files here today, Thomas Day. How you doing, Tommy? Good. Thanks, guys. Thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, coming on. Uh, let me ask you, you know, Joe's talking about a sore back and, and yoga and <laughs> You know, you you have this whole zenness going on. Uh, where did you start? You know, picking up on these uh, you know holistic type of uh, things that are keeping you uh, safe and healthy. Uh, well, my my yoga experience started in uh, 2012. Uh, actually, I I. Uh, I should say my my Bikram yoga experience, which is a uh, you're not familiar with that. It's a a 90 minute practice. It's a uh, 102 degrees, 40 uh, percent humidity, so it's pretty intense. It's a pretty intense uh, situation. I actually brought Gregory Sharp one time, and uh, that was a that was a pretty funny experience. I gotta tell you. <laughs> but, so that's uh, why he's angry now because of that experience. <laughs> he was he was sweating we'll say that we'll say that and uh you know next to music uh finding yoga was the closest thing i can describe to like a religious experience sure uh it felt uh just made my body feel great focused my mind um uh, it's yoga is one of the most beautiful things i've discovered and in this world next to what this is all about professional wrestling and uh music so and we're top for me tier right course, there of course and, and wrestling for future stars of wrestling for joe yes. defalco yeah no <laughs> doubt well joe that that brings me to a question joe about when was the first time that uh you saw um you know tommy when did when did he get on your radar and was it before the days of Thomas Day? Yeah, it actually was. <clears throat> I guess him and Mike Delight went way back in the, uh, I guess, backyard. <laughs> and uh, Tommy was working for the rival company, if you want to call him a rival company, AU at the time. And a few of their guys came over, you know, Tyshawn and, and, and stuff. But before that, Kid Vegas was involved and kind of put things together. So when we did one of our first shows at the Silver Nugget, 
we used some of the talent from AU. And Tommy was one of them. Uh, this kid, Lex Luco, uh, who Tommy was always way better than, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, Jay Cash, who became a regular. But they wrestled, and, and we were pretty impressed with, with Tommy. And unfortunately, their owner wasn't very, uh, let's just say, he didn't really enjoy the fact that his guys were coming over and actually wrestling on our show, despite the fact that they, other than Extreme Thing, didn't really run shows. And it was like, your guys are getting experience. You think they would appreciate getting on as many shows as possible. So it ended up being a one and done because I had talked to Tommy a lot on the MySpace days. And, and that was the, the, the first conversations, you know, him, Cody, a uh, guy who became Bryce Slavin, who was Nick the Trucker Tucker, you know, and uh, what was the other one? Uh, Wolf, you know, it, it, it was really a band of misfits to those guys that would always hit me up on, on MySpace when they heard we were going to do stuff. And then, unfortunately, uh, the kibosh was put on. And, you know, there were times we wanted to get, you know, Tommy over but he was very loyal to the company he started with. And it took a while for Tommy to come over. And I was like, yeah, what's the big deal? You know, he's this tall, lanky, skinny kid. Gives a shit. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? And, you know, he had the first match with us, which was obviously years after the 2009, when he was still very inexperienced. And we're like, wow, this guy is pretty good. And, you know, from then on, you know, he prayed to the Zen masters and he became part of FSW. And, and you know, Tommy, what is what is your, um, you know, recollection of that first time wrestling for Joe and um, that period of time where uh, you weren't able necessarily to come to FSW and wrestle? What was that? like for you in terms of what was going on behind the scenes and you know was it something that was worth it or was it something that you really wish that you would have kind of looking back had done more instead of just staying with the home base yeah i mean uh tommy misfit and lex luco actually broke in the silver nugget for uh future stars of wrestling i believe and uh, <laughs> uh you know, I, when I, looking back now, knowing what I know now, um, you know, getting experience is what's really important in this industry. Um, I did feel I was pretty committed to Adrenaline Unleashed. Um, Kent Wilson actually let me, he met me. There's like a whole long backstory about how I came in contact into the pro wrestling industry, but he ended up allowing me to train for free, you know, and oh. kind of, uh, kind of just like took took me in as his own I guess in a way and I, I just felt like I was kind of um not owed to him or anything but I just felt like I needed to be loyal at the time um I was kind of looked at I guess as like uh the top guy or whatever there at, at, at a time too so um you know I guess by being loyal um maybe I stunned my growth a little bit um but to me, 
I guess my where my morals lied. It just seemed like it was appropriate to do what I was doing and stay where I was. And you know, as as soon as the doors closed, I I reached out to Joe, and luckily he let me in. You know, let me ask you too. During that time period, were you full time in a band as well? Um, were you pursuing the music? What was going on with that aspect of uh, your life as you were? breaking into wrestling as well was joe defalco in a band <laughs> no no for you for you Thomas. <laughs> uh you know i guess since i was about 14 or 15 uh i kind of discovered my outlet of wrestling in a backyard and performing music around the same time so um they've actually always been a, a huge part of my life um it's basically ever since i was 14 i i, I wrestled and played in a band so um, they've always kind of, you know, ran together, I, I guess, you know, not, not necessarily 50, 50. Sometimes uh, I was more committed to, to one thing more than any other, you know, I would spend six months on the road at times playing sure. in a band. Um, we would tour the country and all that. So, um, wrestling kind of took a backseat at times. And then there's times where I really just committed to wrestling and, and the music would take a backseat, you know? Sure. Um, and for you too, uh, Thomas Day, in terms of when you're, you know, playing in a band, when you're wrestling, a lot of times the idea is get your friends, sell tickets, that type of thing. <laughs> how many people, how many close, close friends actually were showing up at both your concerts and your wrestling shows? Cause I know how that goes. Yeah, man. It's, uh, it's a trip. How much, uh, live music and professional wrestling have in common you know it's a very similar situation you know you gotta get the masses in them seats you know if you want promoters to take you seriously so i would have support from a, a good group of friends i mean you can ask joe I've, I've every time we've booked a casino show i would sell at least 10 to 15 tickets uh bringing people in you know it, it always helps out to to wrestle in your hometown you know because you got your your friends and your supporters that you know, we'll be there for you and stuff. Yeah. Uh, Joe, you know, thinking of when Thomas Day gets a chance to come into the fold of FSW now, what, and, and meaning now at, at that point where he's getting back in contact with you and he's ready to wrestle for you. And do you, how did that go for you? What did you see in terms of getting him on the shows um, and was there any inclination of how you wanted to use them? Well, you know, you're always going to be leery at first, but, you know, he was, as he said, you know, he was the guy getting the really good matches over there. A lot of times there wasn't really good matches to be had, but he was the one, you know, you know, wrestling Ryan Taylor, you know, at a show. Right. And, you know, when you, when you see him come in, he didn't just like come in and say, Hey, uh, can I be on the show tomorrow? He would come in and he started training. Well, when you're you're seeing in training and you're seeing, okay, this guy's the real deal. It's just trying to figure out spots. And I'm pretty sure, I don't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure he got christened into the Joe DeFalco four ways and six way matches and, and eight man tags, you know, just just trying to get him a spot on the show. And the more he progressed, the more we realized you know, we definitely had someone who was 
you know, very, very good. You know, the one thing that that was an issue, I remember, I don't know how long ago was into it, but as he said, you know, like, hey, I'm not going to be around for a while. You know, my band, we got these shows and we're going to be on the road. We're renting the van. And it was like, man, we were just kind of like, you know, seeing where we can go with this guy. And it was like, hey, you're a better wrestler than musician. Keep wrestling, will you? <laughs> well, you know what? That's a, that's a fair point, Thomas Day, in terms of uh, the you know, the commitments being, you know, twofold. And like you said, going one way or going the other way for amounts of time. How hard was that for you in terms of the stop and go aspect? And do you think that if you would have committed, let's say just to wrestling or just to music, that maybe the climb up the ladder might've been quicker for you. Maybe you would have been in a different place uh, than, you know, splitting time between the two passions. I'd like to think in, in wrestling specifically, everyone's got a shelf life. You know, everyone is going to be important for so long and uh, until they become irrelevant, you know, like you got someone that's there all the time. Sure, the crowd's going to be there with them, but I mean, there's only so many shows this guy's going to make where the crowd's like, ah, I've seen this guy before, you know, so... Uh, it, I, it, I'd like to believe that it's worked out in my favor, you know, kind sure. of spreading my career that way where um, I'll, I'll be playing a gig somewhere or just be somewhere else doing something else and then coming back to wrestling when I feel like it's the right time. Um, I, you know, I, I don't like to think too much of the, the what ifs and situations, you know, like what if I was just 100% committed to just being a wrestler all the time i mean maybe you know maybe i would be farther along you know i mean i, I don't know because it's not the case necessarily right now um i i guess in theory you can think of it if if i'm because wrestling is all about uh right place right time right. so if i happen to be in that place all the time maybe that right place right time scenario would have clicked more often or maybe not, you know. So, sure. um, I'd like to, f I'd like to feel like I've, I've been making the right decisions in my life, just kind of coming in, coming out. Um, right now, I, I really feel like I'm, I'm really ready to make a good comeback. Though I'm ready to be in wrestling for, I mean, the foreseeable future. I don't, I don't see me not, not wrestling um, for the next couple of years. So. Well, there you go, Joe. He just gave you a commitment for at least two uh, years. I, I guess we're stuck with them. But, hey, Brandon G. always needs a win, so. <laughs> there we go. Uh, well, I, you know, I'm going to agree with him on, on that part about, you know, in, in, in this business, you, you learn as things happen. And with all the talent that we have that – you know, a guy like Shogun just showed back up after not being seen since March. And he's 100% right when it talks about being missed, having that shelf life. When you're in FSW, you know, there's guys, Remy Marcel, who's almost been there since day one, Cutthroat Cody. But they have reinvented themselves numerous times. Because if they were that same character, it would become boring. It would become second nature. 
And as he said, yeah, you know, we've seen him, you know, been there, done that, whatever. And I always try to encourage guys to take other bookings just so we don't have them on every show because we have so much talent that if we just had 25 guys, it'd be great. But eventually everybody's going to be wrestling everybody. Right. And everything is always fresh. You know, we brought Thomas Day back. And then, hey, the Suavecitos with Adrian Quest. And I'm like, hey, Thomas Day and Adrian Quest, you know, you know, might be a fun thing. But we're trying to keep Quest with the Suavecitos. And when Thomas Day came back at the anniversary show, he got a really good reaction. Uh, he came back, he wrestled the match, got a good reaction. It's like, okay, let's put him with the tag team champions who are very popular. And, you know, Cody and Thomas, they go way back. They never worked together in a tag in FSW or did anything like that. So let's put them together. And, you know, to Tommy's credit, you know, for a guy who really hadn't done any training and been around for, you know, since before the pandemic, you know, yeah, there was a couple of hiccups here and there in the first couple of matches, but generally you couldn't say, Hey, this guy hasn't wrestled in a year and a half. You know, he looked good. He looked strong. You know, September 3rd, you know, as long as Tommy's available, we're looking to do a, a singles match between him and Adrian Quest, and we think it'll be one of the better matches on the show. Absolutely. I think that that's a great matchup. And Tommy, do you, do you like the fact that because now that you've had the experience, you are seasoned, that you are going to be getting these types of opportunities to work with guys who, you know, are really good workers and you're just going to be able to up your game and up their game as well. Does that excite you to see where you can go during this, uh, you know, period that you're going to focus on wrestling? Yeah, man, that's super cool. Super cool news. I'd love to work with Adrian. Uh, he's, uh, in my eyes, a five-star talent. Um, we actually have unfinished business cause, uh, him and Andy Brown, took the the straps united wrestling network tag team titles from the soul burners um and they crushed my foot and ended up being my last match for a year and a half so it actually kind of works out in a way you know you brought up soul burners let's kind of get into that <clears throat> joe when did you first you know see thomas day moving in this direction and the soul burners coming together what's kind of your recollection of you know, having those guys around and uh, did you think that this was something that would work uh, between the two of them in terms of their chemistry? Well, I, as everybody knows, was one of the biggest Ryan Taylor fans in, in wrestling. You know, the guy can do it all. Uh, looks like a million bucks. But what impressed me the most about Taylor was always, you know, the reversals, the submissions. He could put you in a pretzel like it's nothing. Right. And Tommy, to me, was like a junior version of Ryan Taylor. Everybody would see the missile drop kick and the 450 off the top rope. And everybody looked at Thomas Day as this, you know, high-flying wrestler. But to me, his value was just like Ryan Taylor's. Like, if you watch this guy wrestle around, you know, he can embarrass some of the best wrestlers around. And that was, like, a very underappreciated talent of his 
that I saw early on. And I'm pretty sure the Soul Burners were already tagging in Hollywood, but I know Thomas Day was involved with Sandra Moon at the time. And then with Taylor being used more frequently, it was perfect because the one na- the one knock on Ryan Taylor was personality, character, wasn't a promo guy. Right. And being that, again, he's another SoCal guy bring, coming to FSW that isn't being used all the time, it's harder to get him over with the FSW fan base. And having Thomas Day as the leader of the group let Ryan Taylor kind of do what he was best at, and that was wrestle his ass off. So yeah. putting them together as a tag team was, was a no-brainer, you know? And, you know, they had, you know, as good a success as they had in that short period of time. But they, to me, these guys are two similar wrestlers that, as I said, I loved Ryan Taylor. So to give him something good and put him into something meaningful, it had been a while. You know, the last time we did anything major with Ryan Taylor First was the uh, No Limits tournament where he ended up wrestling Jacob Austin Young in the finals. That's how highly we thought of him. But I felt giving him the rub when he uh, feuded a little with uh, Kevin Cross, Uh, you know, back in the day. We actually had Ryan Taylor was the first guy who really laid out Kevin Cross in any kind of angle. So, you know, it it was great to see. It's, It's disappointing that you know, Taylor didn't really get a chance at NXT. They got him on TV. It seemed like he was he was moving along pretty quickly. They got him, you know, in, into a faction. And then, you know, their loss maybe becomes uh, me and Thomas Day's gain again if uh, <laughs> to come back to Vegas. Well, Thomas Day, uh, what was the origins of the Soul Burners? Uh, and did you... You know how how well did you get along with Ryan before uh, you guys started tagging, or was it once you started tagging, you guys got to know each other a little better, and then were able to translate that into matches? So, Joe, I'm the, I'm the Weenie Hut Junior Ryan Taylor, huh? Yes. <laughs> hey, you know that's that's actually still a pretty good compliment, I gotta say. Uh, you know, I I met Russ. Uh, in 2011 or 2012 he was actually one of my trainers at uh, au and um we were pit together in a, a steel cage match at uh one of one of the extreme thing events at adrenaline unleashed and uh it's like one of the i guess biggest moments in wrestling that i had i had had at that moment or at that time and um you know it was a big it was a big opportunity to wrestle with a guy that was so established one of the first wrestling shows i ever went to was uh not one of the first, well, when I was already in the industry, uh, was a Cauliflower Alley Club in uh, 2009, where he main evented, uh, I think it was, uh, I think he was defending the Heritage, the NWA Heritage title against Chris Hero in the main event. I was going to say, was that the one with Chris Hero? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, that's where I, that's the first time I got my eyes on him, and I was like, man, this guy is really freaking good. Yeah. And um, to end up having the opportunity to pair up with him is is just like you know it was it was great it was a great opportunity um i guess the origins of soul burners though um i i had was i was on tour somewhere and i was just like 
I was just still kind of keeping up with what was going on and I was watching a Hollywood episode and I saw him kind of getting into this Zen kind of character. And I was like, Oh, okay, Russ. Cool, man. Like that's, that's what I do, dude. You know? So, so when, when I returned to Hollywood, um, it was either that we had to be paired or we had to feud and, uh, the writers of the show ended up deciding to put us together and, um, that's kind of the origins of how we became um, a tag team. And at what point did uh, did Sandra Moon figure in uh, with you guys? Uh, I'm 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 uh, she she got introduced in the folds. Um, I, I believe it was Joe who I don't know if he pitched it or. Or what it was but she got introduced in the fold i think uh right at the start of it all you know right really right really it was kind of like one of those right place right time situations where it was me and this guy were pairing together and she kind of was introduced in the fold and you know i I guess at fsw it started off as the yoga alliance it was this thing that i kind of was doing with with her um and another student andy where they were just kind of like my my followers or my yoga cult lead my, my, my yoga cult I had going on. And you know, uh, they carry out the yoga mat for them. That was their job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I taught, I taught them well. I taught them how to burn the incense from the right end. <laughs> Joe, Joe, how did that come about? Were you the one who kind of introduced Sandra into the mix? Yeah. Like I said, uh, with the yoga Alliance, he was doing that. And, and Sandra was getting close to being ready to wrestle, but she wasn't quite there yet. So, you know, always looking to find a role, a spot, you know, Andy was even younger, you know, at the time, but, you know, we felt it would be a good little mix to have, uh, you know, Tommy run with this, this group for a while. And then, you know, with Taylor getting involved into the mix, you know, he was doing well as a singles guy, you know, Thomas, Day was the no limits champion. And, you know, the plan was not for him to become the no limits champion, but it was like, you know what, they're getting good heat. They're getting good stuff. You know, right now is the time to make the change. And, you know, we gave him the run for a bit. And what was that like for you, uh, Tommy? Was that your first, uh, title, uh, obviously in FSW, but in terms of your career, had you had title runs before, or was this the uh, the first time to get that experience under your belt? Uh, no, I was a champion at at the other Vegas company. Um, for like, I was I, they they gave me the belt, and I was kind of like the guy there for a little while, and then, um, but yeah, it was my first FSW title. Joe, you did important title if you ask him. <laughs> well, Joe, did, yes, it, did it ever cross your mind of uh, bringing in Thomas Day while he had that title for the other company and having him do a uh, dump in the trash uh, angle? Nah, he wasn't coming over from when before he had the title. So, you know, why would we bring him in to? Uh, disparage i don't want anybody disparaging my title so despite the fact that i may not get along with somebody you know i'm not gonna look to because it it doesn't hurt anybody but the wrestler guy that you want to bring in like 
it would it would put Tommy in an uncomfortable situation. Like, hey, will you do this? And he's gonna probably be like, fuck no. Why would I do this? You know, why would I want to work for an asshole like that? You know, right. that would be my response. So, nah, never a thought. And Thomas, too, what was it like for you guys holding the uh, championship wrestling from Hollywood tag team belts? Was that something that, uh, you know, manifested out of the fact that you guys had put in the time and effort over there? Yeah, it was it was a long journey for sure. Um, we had started teaming, uh, I believe it was like September of... 27 no maybe 2018 and then i broke my jaw i got my jaw broken in san diego um and then that definitely put my wrestling career on the shelf for a little while um but i made a return and then we picked up where we left off and i think we were about a a team for about a year before we got the straps and it was it was great you know it was like uh i guess it really it 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 made me like a, a major player, I guess, you know, sure. it's a really prestigious title to hold, um, on the independent circuit. So it was, uh, you know, it was a great opportunity. And Joe, did hey, you-, you got to wrestle guys like the scum and Tito and Che, right? Yeah. Yeah. The scum was like the, that's where we took the straps off of. And, uh, it was, you know, that was a great opportunity. These are like very, nice. very talented guys and monsters, just freaking monsters, you know? So, I was like 160 pounds at the time, so it was it was a good opportunity. I like now he's bulked up to 173, <laughs> 185. I've been picking oh, up things and putting them down. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Joe, when you look at the Soul Burners, you look at the popularity, um, you know, with the FSW crowd. Uh, after a while, it, you know, they they became a very, you know, beloved tag team. I would say uh did you ever think about the fact that maybe they could be the champions or was it just a sense of again of timing being in the right place at the right time uh where they just didn't have the opportunity because of who you already had on the roster well at the time the one percent were the champions you know and that was a team that i put together that gelled immensely you know they became best friends they became workout partners and they took that tag team extremely serious. So we were not really ready to take the belts off, but we wanted to build the soul burners up and we did, you know, to where they were the number one contenders. And then uh, they had the match where the 1% went over, but that's also when Hammerstone and Graves cashed in and won the belts. And the thing was, the plan was to have a steel cage match down the road uh between the one percent but at that point uh royce isaacs was getting signed to the nwa and his availability was non-existent so we had to change plans they did wrestle for us uh, one more time and that's when they wrestled tito and che and we actually changed the finish uh the day of the show because you know, we learned that that was it. This was going to be Royce's, you know, final appearance there. So it made no sense for them to be, you know, a tag team like that. And it's like, you know, on the back burner, we have the soul burn because Ryan Taylor is, is going to become available again. The scum are available again. 
Uh, Tito's been running in the singles, but, you know, there's rumors that Che Cabrera is looking to, you know, maybe return soon. You know, Toko Uso. Those are four monster tag teams that have a really good tag team division. But, man, if, if you added those four, I'll put our tag team division up against anybody's, and I mean anybody's, you know, that you can watch on TV today. You know, so, you know, it's definitely a, an interesting uh, problem to have. But right now, with Thomas Day being back, you know, the goal is to get him doing some single stuff. And, you know, let's see where the, the, the future lies. You know, Nevada State, the no limits again, you know, tag teams, you know, whatever it is, you know, I know he's up for it and he's always going to give us a quality match. You know, one title that uh, he didn't mention there, Thomas Day, is the heavyweight championship title. Do you see yourself in your eyes as a singles competitor, someone who could challenge for the major belt, not only in FSW, but any of the uh, companies around the country? I believe I, I believe I could definitely be a contender. Um, you know, you got monsters out there, though. You know, you got a guy like Hammerstone who's... You know, the, the the size of his leg is like, I don't know. He's just a giant freaking man. And really all the heavyweights at FSW, they're all just giant dudes. Like just at that last high octane show, the main event, it's probably, there wasn't a guy under 250 pounds. Um, you know, it's not, it's not unrealistic for me to be a serious contender with these guys, but, you know, I just got to put on some more weight. Um, it's definitely the part of where I'm, where I'm going though. Um, I don't, I don't see me. I found a passion for lifting now. Um, so I, I just see myself just continuing to grow in size and maybe Joe will actually see me as a serious competitor in the heavyweight division. Uh, Joe, you know, that brings up a good point. And how much does that factor into your decision about guys who would be considered contenders for the heavyweight title? Because, you know, if you look at it, one of your most popular heavyweight champions is Chris Bay. And, you know, Chris and Thomas Day, you know, kind of have that similar look in terms of size. If Thomas Day puts on another 20 pounds of muscle, could you be looking at someone that you could use in that mix? I don't look at the heavyweight championship as a weight thing. I look at the heavyweight championship as the most deserving guy. And if Chris Bay was 240 or 160, it didn't really matter. At the time when we were looking for a heavyweight champion, you know, Chris Bay was a guy that, you know, checked the boxes. You know, there was a time when Chris Bay was feuding with Damian Drake that Damian Drake was checking the boxes. But things happened. He went to China. He came back. Other things took over. You know, and, and things just change. And I don't look at Thomas Day and say, well, he's only 80, he can't be the heavyweight champion. I don't look at, you know, Juicy and say, well, he's 380 pounds, so he should be the heavyweight champion. I look at, you know, the, the most important thing is the stories we're trying to tell, trying to get the best matchups, and trying to, you know, see there's many guys that we thought – we're on path to become the heavyweight champion. 
and then they never won any championships because it, it just wasn't the right time, the right place, the right moment. You know, Remy Marcel held the heavyweight championship. It was only for two weeks, you know, Sean <laughs> Ricker and Tyshawn Prince. But again, when we needed somebody because uh, Ricker was leaving to go to the WWE, we had to make a decision on who the right guy would be. Kenny King was our first champion. Nobody's confusing Kenny King with being, you know, a, a monster. So it's just right place, right time, right circumstance is the most important thing, you know. And if things match up, then, you know, the sky's the limit. You know, obviously a guy like Thomas Day has a better chance of being the heavyweight champion right now than Brett the Threat. You, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. you know, it's experience is important. You know, I like Tommy a lot, you know, and he decided during the pandemic that he was not going to, you know, be around. And, you know, for some reason, people seem to think that I hold grudges and I do this. And it was like, you know, when Tommy was ready to come back, it's like, cool, let, let, let's figure out what we're going to do. It's like he's a good dude. He always did great business and he's a really, really great wrestler. You know, why wouldn't you want a guy like that? And he sells tickets. So, you know, that that's a guy that you, you can count on. And whenever there was things going on that stopped him from being around, he was always upfront, honest, and said, hey, this is what I'm going to do, blah, blah, blah. You know, I'll be back. And, you know, when he was, he was, he was with us full time. Can't ask for much more in dealing with people especially in this business yeah uh thomas day let me ask you about the ring entrance that uh, the soul burners have uh, or had um how important is it to you being a musician that the ring entrance music matches the energy that you guys are giving off as the characters is that what you were looking for? How did that come about for you guys? Are you talking about rocking with the gym bay and stuff? And yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it just came natural, you know? It's like uh, I had to play to an extreme um, stereotype, I guess. You know, I guess that's what wrestling is. It's just whatever your niche is and then and increasing it 100%. So I, I was going to some drum circles here and there. We had a bunch of, like, the – the dry, the dry lake bed out here there's a bunch going on so um i just kind of adapted that into the whole the whole the whole shtick and uh it it worked out and joe for you speaking of ring entrances that becomes a unique uh niche to their characters uh you know their entrance sets the mood and the tone how important is it for you that when the guys are coming up with their ideas that those entrances accentuate the positives about who the team, you know, either the team is or the wrestler is, is it something that, you know, you spend a little bit of time about thinking of, or is it something you kind of leave up to them to try to get right? Almost all the time, the, the wrestler is the guy who's coming up with his own music and stuff. And then we got Mikey who's doing the, you know, maybe a video entrance, marquee, whatever, you know. 
how sweet was the anniversary show entrance for Thomas Day on that big 22 foot LED wall, Thomas Day? You didn't get that anywhere else. You know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was pretty, sure. that was pretty awesome. And, and essentially, too, being that it was your first time back at the anniversary show after a long while, what was that reaction like for you? when you finally walk out and you hear the response of the crowd man i was i was super nervous um you know i i never get the that butterfly feeling never escapes you know um but it was just really overwhelming like all i had to do was go in there and get beat up and get thrown out or throw other people out but it was just like man it was just I, I was kind of freaking out. I was having like little miniature panic attacks just because like I, I felt like there was a lot of pressure to perform well, you know, and, and um, you know, being gone for so long, you have to come back and you have to be something worthwhile. You know, I didn't want to come back and then be you a sleeper. Crickets. You don't want to hear crickets yeah. when you come back you, after a year and a you half. You don't. You don't. And then when my when my name comes up on that screen, that what? how big was it, Joe? Like 22 feet. <laughs> It really just amplified everything, you know, um, the really where FSW is, it's just like, it's, it's high caliber, you know? So to have that be accompanied with my return and to be put in a situation where I'm coming back in a good spot, uh, you know, I'm very appreciative of, uh, Thomas, say what has been your favorite either rivalry or match that you've had at FSW? Uh, I think me and Chris Bay had a really cool thing going on for a little bit there. You know, you can only pull that guy in so many directions because he's everyone's trying to get was to work with him. And I guess to work with him early on in his career, uh, to be a, a little part of his development, even um, I think that was one of my more favorite uh, little feuds I got to do uh, for the No Limits title. Um, other than that. Uh, I think I've had more, just more or less, just like a lot of these like kind of scramble type matches and some tag matches. Um, I think that that six way ladder match at Silverton was that was super cool too. That was a super cool match. Joe, same question to you. What are some of your favorite uh, either matches or your favorite match that he's been involved in or favorite angle? What what has been your uh, you know favorite things about having Thomas Day? You know, there's a bunch of different things, and I really can't pinpoint the one thing that I remember that was like, ah, this 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 stands out the most. It's the fact of the matter is the consistency and knowing what you're going to get every time out. You know, it's like Natural Born Killer coming up, and – Tommy's a guy I'd really like to have. There's a couple of guys that I've wanted on that show that never worked out. One is Ryan Taylor, and the other is Thomas Day, and the third was Eli Everfly. And I finally got Eli Everfly on this one uh, to go on against TJ Perkins in what I think is going to be the best match of the night, you know? And just watching, you know, Tommy's development in FSW as a guy who had to climb the ladder and he and he had to put in the work and he very quickly you know rose 
you know, I, I see in my mind stuff that I never thought he was going to do in matches and sitting there on commentary. I'm like, wow, this dude is fucking good. Like the way he just put that dude in the pretzel and he, he reversed his movement into a submission. And like I said, it, you know, people, people like to think that Joe DeFalco likes, Oh, all the high flyer guys, all the guys who do the crazy cool stuff. And of course, why wouldn't I like that stuff? But I also love that Matt based, you know, style that a guy can pull out out of nowhere and put you in, in, in a position, you know, of submission at any time that no matter where you're at, guys like a Thomas Day, a TJ Perkins, you know, a Ryan Taylor, an Eli Everfly, who's the same way to you know as much as the cool stuff he does. You know, I, I love watching them, you know, doing what they do when it comes to the mat based things. And that's, I guess, my, my, my hidden secret of what I really like when, when watching, you know, a wrestling match, you know, it's great that he, you know, Thomas Day doesn't really miss his four fifties too much. So, you know, it's always good to see, but I, I always like the technical aspects of, you know, the different variances of things that can be done when a guy's in a position and how he's able to uh, switch it up. Thomas, I think I've retired 450 now. I think Bodie does it. I think Bodie does it better. So there you go. So yeah, you're too old for that now. <laughs> you, need, you, need, you need to rely on tapping out Adrian Quest. <laughs> well, yeah, let me ask you really quick about that, Thomas Day, in terms of developing that type of, uh, you know, essentially chain wrestling style, the grappling style. Did that was that something that you uh, learned from your entering training? Uh, was it something you learned through the fluidity of learning how to you know put matches together, or did you have uh, prior grappling experience as a, a high school wrestler? Uh, you know, where you had a foundation of understanding what mat wrestling was before incorporating it into pro wrestling. Um, well. No high school wrestling experience. Uh, I guess like where my wrestling journey started is, you know, even even being in the backyard or whatever. It's uh, since I was like 13 years old, I've been doing it, you know, 13, 14 years old. So I just think just that consistency of, you know, and I used to train every day, you know, like I see like how a lot of the guys at FSW now they're at the school every day. Like that was me for for four or five years. Um, it's just this experience that you get that you can't get really anywhere else is instead of, of being in the ring. So um, I guess I developed that working with some of my trainers, working with people over the years. Um, I, I think, I think Russ, Ryan Taylor had a, a huge um, impact on, on I guess how, to work things out in my mind, like how, how to develop into uh, a savage, a sa like to, to, to have that mindset in the ring to, to really put someone in a pretzel and into, I guess, transition uh, in, into different moves and, and to be fluid with it all and to make it make sense and, and to be entertaining and while doing it, because it's kind sure. of, kind of a stale thing you know like uh chain wrestling can be looked at some people will be like man it's just boring i want to see someone 
jump off the ropes and do a missile drop kick or something, you know? So um, I guess he, Ryan Taylor kind of put it in my mind how to link things together and yeah, just be a savage. Um, Joe, what do you think of how far Thomas Day has come since you first saw him? What do you think are, you know, some of the, the the main growing points you've seen in him from that kid you know over 10 years ago to where he is now yeah you mean when he was just a misfit (laughs) tommy misfit yep you know i'll tell you you know when you first saw him you, you know when i first saw him i knew he had potential but he never reached that potential Till he became part of the FSW family and we mentored him and turned him into the superstar that he is today. You know, we take at least 103% credit for his evolving as a wrestler. I guess the follow-up question, Joe, is, is it his wrestling ability or is it the commentary that makes him so good? It is definitely the wrestling ability, you know. You can tell when I'm commentating something and it's extremely lackluster. (laughs) Uh, Um, Unfortunately, you know, and, you know, watching the six-man this past week with the Death Proof and the Suavecitos, you know, really good match, you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, Obviously, Thomas Day and Adrian Quest, they go way back to doing stuff. But Adrian Quest is also a different wrestler than he was a year and a half or two years ago. You know, he's got a lot more confidence. He's got a lot more experience. You know, we had issues with him early on in FSW portraying a heel because the reason I brought him in was because of his athletic ability to do some really cool things that as a heel he kind of didn't do and it's like bro you know i brought you in to be you and you know i look forward to you know thomas day with the new crop of guys you know to be able to work that he may have just seen as you know little babies training a year and a half two years ago to where now they're like you know full-blown you know, has, has Thomas Day uh, wrestled Ice Williams before? I haven't, no. There you go. You know, and, you know, that's definitely, you know, a matchup for a guy like Ice Williams is no limits champion, you know, to take on all comers. And, you know, a few wins under the belt for Thomas Day, you know, puts him right in line to maybe, uh, you know, get a second run as the no limits champion. Uh, you know, that's a great question, Thomas Day. Uh, is there anybody out there that you're looking at that you haven't worked yet that you would like to, you know, work with and, uh, you know, get that experience under your belt? Uh, either younger guys, you know, who essentially you'd be giving a little, uh, you know, wrestling clinic to, or guys who are of your experience or are longer who you haven't had the opportunity to work. Uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really open to working anybody, you know? Um, I think, I think it's, it's awesome to get in there with somebody that 
even I don't know and 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 make a match look like a great match um it's kind of like a personal challenge in a way it's like if I've never heard of of somebody and I get in a, a ring with them I don't know what they do uh it's to figure out uh while talking to them uh what we can do and and, and to put something together uh as far as like anybody I would like to wrestle um you know I know FSW produces great wrestlers so really any any of the students out there right now I'm, I'm very open to to working anybody you know like a breath of threat that would be a great match um just just really anybody the um, battle of the 450s the only <laughs> is you hit a 450 thomas dave versus Bobby. <laughs> that's a marquee student show that's what i'm saying the fu- it's a future shock main event anywhere in the united states <laughs> yes sir uh but i i am really excited to to wrestle adrian quest you know he's he's no slouch he's a, a new japan mainstay uh he's a, a very talented guy um you know so i think getting a chance to roll around with him that that'll be a challenge to me and um i'm really open to that i'm really open to growing and into becoming still a better person. I'm not, I'm never, I'm never stopped. You know, you never stop growing. Yeah. Um, this, the second you do, you're, you know, a stale piece of shit. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, Joe, did, did you ever think or ever ponder asking, uh, Thomas stay to potentially turn heel by going back to Tommy misfit? Well, the funny thing is, he left as a heel, and he never did anything to be anything different, but he came back and he was automatically a babyface, you know? Right. Because, again, our longtime fans were happy to see this guy who they hadn't seen in a long time who's extremely talented. You know, the true colors of Thomas Day – you know, may still be lurking out there and may show up at any time. You know, I I would tell a guy like, you know, Cody and Jacob Boston Young to make sure they got eyes in the back of their head. But again, people do change. And maybe Thomas Day, through the piece of yoga, you know, has found a better place. And he'd rather be on the side of good than in the side of bad. (laughs) I, I think uh, for me, it was just going out there and seeing what, where, I mean, these, these last couple matches, I guess, have been a trial sort of thing. Um, I want to see kind of how people do react and right. kind of decide where to go from there, you know? Absolutely. You know, when he wrestles, when he wrestles a guy like Adrian Quest or Brett the Threat, he's probably going to get cheered overwhelmingly and on Ice Williams. But now if he wrestles a guy like, Remy Marcel, does he get booed? Is it indifference? You know, you don't know until you see there. You know, in this day and age, there's a lot more gray area between the the face and the heel anyway. So it's kind of like, you know, just go out there and be you. And if be use a little and being used a little dirty, well, you know, that's the way it is. Remy Marcel you know, isn't a guy that follows all the rules, but he's still beloved. So, you know, it, it is fans are going to react no matter what, you know, I'm not going to tell them how to react by telling them 
because they're going to do what they want to do. And if they want to like somebody, they're going to like somebody. If they're not going to want to like somebody, there's nothing you could do. You can't force them down the throat. You know, look at WWE. They try to force Roman Reigns down the throat of all the fans, and then they finally let him be a heel, and he's the best heel the company has. So Right. Uh, Thomas Day, as we kind of wrap up uh, this portion uh, before we start talking about uh, this coming weekend, um, any fond memories of or funny stories uh, that you have of uh, Joe? <laughs> Uh, just, just meeting Joe for the first time. Well, you know, I guess meeting him for the first time even when I was, you know, like 18 or, you know, back in 2009. Uh, you know, Joe's a character in himself, you know? Sheesh. I don't know. He's just a, he's just a great guy, and uh, I'm going to force him to give me a hug next time I see him. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Joe, any, <laughs> any any final uh, any final thoughts uh, or uh, stories about uh, Thomas Day before we talk about the weekend? Uh, offhand, story wise, no, not really. Just the conversations uh, of trying to get him. My my fondest memories are the uh, the MySpace conversations because there 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 were many late nights on MySpace, and it's it's just funny how most people have no idea what the hell I'm talking about what I'm talking about you know? dude MySpace was awesome especially for like musicians and all that like the MySpace music platform that was the shit that yeah. was so cool didn't Justin you know? Timberlake buy it for a little while I have no idea man I, I, yeah, I just I think I remember reading something and nothing ever became a MySpace but boy that really that fell hard through the wayside yeah that was my favorite form of uh, what we now call social media yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. Um, so let's really quick, uh, Joe, give uh, listeners a rundown of what's going on uh, starting here. This uh, SummerSlam weekend is uh, going to be in full swing. Uh, you know, people are listening to this on Wednesday. So Thursday, just everything kind of kicks off. Uh, what's going on? Right, so, so Thursday, uh, our ring crew... And and GCW's ring crew, they're going to be heading to uh, meet Las Vegas at 4 o'clock. We're going to be setting up the ring for their show uh, on Friday night. So Thursday night, we're doing that. Friday, my son is running his first show, uh, Code Red, at 1 p.m. Uh, a lot of FSW talent, a lot of outside talent working with a couple of different companies, Pally Pro and No Peace Underground. So definitely going to be some good talent there uh then friday night i'm not going to be there because we got natural born killers at 11 p.m which is a one of the latest starting shows that we've had tom lawler tj perkins jake something cal jack you know whoever else we have no idea that might show up as a surprise but gcw is running their show at 7 30. so you have wrestling literally 12 hours of wrestling from one o'clock p.m to 1 a.m on friday and then you have to get up because the most sought after ticket in vegas is the battle for las vegas gcw versus fsw uh with the main event of nick gage and aj gray against cutthroat cody and funny bone i don't envy anybody who's going to be sitting in the first row 
but uh, there are some tickets. We actually just opened up uh, 10 more second row tickets for the event. Uh, and that's going to happen at 12 noon. And then we're going to take the rest of the day off and let people enjoy SummerSlam at 5 o'clock. And then Sunday, we come back at 2 p.m. with the FSW Women's Show. That is the main event, the first time ever, a doors, ladders, and chairs match for the FSW Women's Championship with Maserati and then Sandra Moon, once again getting an opportunity. And then at 6 o'clock, we have the Alliance, which is a show we're doing with uh, No Peace Underground and FSW that'll feature EC3 uh, versus Matthew Justice as their main event, as well as Chris Bay and Jay Vidal. And we got, you know, Remy Marcel, Ice Williams, and, and a big cast of the FSW crew. It's kind of gonna be like sandwich. We're gonna do two matches. Uh, geez, um, no piece, we'll do the next three and we'll close out with two. Uh, tickets are all available at fswvegas.com. And we also just solidified our return to Diversion Amusements on Friday night, September 24th. It will be Survival of the Fittest. There we go. And September 3rd, as you heard earlier, September 3rd, Adrian Quest and Thomas Day. Yep. And that one will be back at the FSW Arena as well. Um, that is correct. Everyone, please uh, support FSW this weekend. Um, check out the shows. Uh, you can find uh, most of these shows can be on Fight TV pay-per-view. Uh, so please uh, check it out if you're not in the Vegas area. Uh, also, FSW Network, six ninety nine a month. A lot of stuff that we just talked about you can find on the network. You can see Thomas Day's work uh, with the Soul Burners and also as a singles wrestler um, throughout the years by getting a, a subscription to the network. Uh, you know, maybe maybe if we're lucky, Thomas Day could make the call and we can get the early Adrenaline Unleashed footage aired on the FSW network. Tommy, make the call, brother. Hey, who knows? Who knows? You can have a little uh, AU subdivision, huh? Right on there. And, and once again, Vince McMahon here of Las Vegas making his moves to get the libraries of other companies to build the network. That's a that's a crazy jam-packed weekend, Joe. Is, that, is this probably one of the bigger FSW weekends? Oh, yeah, by far it's definitely the biggest in the past. You know, we did stuff with Impact. We, You know, the Ring of Honor weekend was always big, but it was one show one day, one show another day, and one show the third day. You know, this one, you know, there's three shows on Friday, two shows on Saturday, two shows on Sunday, and there's other shows that are being run, you Jeez, know. Man. So there's literally ten shows that are going to be out there. Just make sure if you're going to pick one over the other, you always pick us over the other company. Wrestling fans have money. <laughs> That's what we're finding out. Yeah. Biggest, <laughs> you know, Sheesh. Yes, it was, it was the bit. You know, it, it's amazing to me the thought process of promoter uh, marketing and advertising people not wanting to do anything because they – you know, called the wrestling 
fans, you know, trailer park trash and, and you know, they got no money. And it's like, you know, at SummerSlam, you're lucky if you're going to get a $300 seat and that's in the nosebleeds. So, you know, and these people all weekend long, there's merchandising things, there's signings everywhere. You know, if you're coming in, even a short trip some from like Phoenix, if you want to go to a, like three shows and one of them's the WWE and you're going to buy some merch, you know, for a party of two, it's probably going to cost you 1500 bucks at least just to come out. And that's not counting eating and the hotels. And if you want to gamble, this is just buying a plane ticket, getting a hotel room and getting tickets to a show and buying a couple shirts. And you're still going to be out a couple thousand dollars. So, you know, people save up. It's really like NASCAR now. And it's become smarter. The wrestling companies, believe it or not, are smarter because 10, 15 years ago when there was WrestleMania, nobody ran shows. This past year, there was 50 shows going on WrestleMania weekend because there were so many fans in town and it was so many opportunities for companies to get on the radar of the casual fan. Speaking of WrestleMania, is there a... I thought of FSW going over to Texas. Yeah, there is. I know my kids spoke to, uh, you know, a couple different people. And one of them I just saw on the Twitter, I believe it's uh, Global Syndicate. Hammerstone's their champ out of New Jersey that they weren't up and running and they were doing some joint stuff together uh, that we got to touch base with. There's also another one that I think they did the show a few days ago. Uh, he came down and Matt Vandegrift went down there to wrestle Mysterious Q and he wanted to use Funny Bone and some of our guys and he may have a venue for us to do something WrestleMania weekend. So fingers cool. crossed, you know, love my, to do it. My schedule is wide open. What do you mean? We're going to be using the, uh, the Tommy Misfit Vans van to uh, take <laughs> 22 people down there. Hey, if we could play too. That adds to it. There you go. You know, I, I was just going to ask that question. Uh, Joe, have you ever thought of using Tommy's band to uh, play the entrance music for uh, different wrestlers? Well, well, here, here's a uh, Tommy's band story. <laughs> years back, uh, there was, I guess, a problem with uh, a venue or whatever where Tommy was running this little thing. And he was like, hey, can we use the FSW arena? And, you know, without thinking very much about it, I'm like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and I remember walking in and before I walked in the door, you know, there was some drunk person by the next door person <laughs> basically, you know, passed out. And I walked in the arena and, and this Let's just say, you know, I, I, I come from the, the, the hair nation, the, you know, the, the heavy metal era, but that was definitely not my type of music. So I don't have an issue with it. Everybody has different tastes, but that isn't my taste. Not a ska fan, huh? <laughs> well, it was a lot harder than the ska I ever used to hear. <laughs> That was a that was a pretty cool show, man. Uh, you know, I, I took a, a chance on promoting it, and I was probably like three hundred kids there, so it's pretty wild. Hey, it's available anytime. 
<laughs> and with that, you don't need a mosh pit. You just have them uh, just pit, just the, use the ring as the mosh pit. Nah, we had to take the ring down. We had to take the ring down for them. Um, Thomas Day, before we go, can you let fans know how they can follow you on social media? Yeah, I believe my Instagram handle is at Thomas Day. Namaste. I am starting to get active on Twitter. I'm actually on a, a lockdown at the moment. I caught the COVID on Tuesday of last week. So I've just been, uh, I guess, building more social media presence. Um, so at Twitter, it's at Tommy Misfit. Um, Keeping that name alive. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's actually just how it was, and I never changed it. <laughs> At AOL.com. <laughs> and don't forget to check out Tommy's MySpace page, uh, everybody. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's right. You can, you can think go it's... back and check the old uh, banter think... him and Lex Luco. I think it was uh, Tom Wald. Tom Wald. MySpace.com slash Tom Wald. If you want to check that out. <laughs> yeah, I remember Tom. <laughs> Oh, man. And everyone, please, if you're listening and tuning in, please remember to check out this weekend of shows here in Las Vegas or by pay-per-view if you can't be here. Uh, again, subscribe to the FSW Network for $6.99 a month. Listen to us, the Vegas Bad Boys Podcasting, and all the shows that we are presenting. And uh, until next time, everyone, we'll see you then. Yeah.